Stand clear. 100% Wild Podcast. So for all you listeners, hello and welcome to Definitely Not Your Favorite Outdoor Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast. This is another special edition of our Just the Tip Rut Series. Yeah, and uh, as we've kind of alluded to it in the first three episodes, this is episode four, so we've done three already. We're airing them every couple days, Mm -hmm. and they're 15, 20 minutes in length. We're just, you know, utilizing questions that the Rack Pack gave us for Terry or for an expert. We're using the old man winner, Terry Drury. He's back with us again. Terry Drury, what's happening? What's up, guys? How we doing? All good. Excited for this cold weather. Hey, yeah, we are. We're actually getting some rain right now. Much needed. We were seven or eight inches behind on our average, uh, 10-year average year to date. So we're going to get caught back up here, I think, slightly. Uh, I think we've had a little over two inches here in the last 24 hours. So we're getting much needed rain on food plots, you know, where we got a lot of biologic sitting in the ground forest is planted some of them two and three times and finally getting a drink. Jeez. All right. Based All right. on the timing, this should air somewhere around November the 4th. So we'll keep that in mind with our answers here today. And the whole point of the series is to try to give people helpful, useful information to get them through the rut as they're uh, sitting in a stand. That's right. All or right. heading to one. So our first set of questions are sponsored by Hunter Specialties from Scent Control Solutions to the DOD Signature line of deer calls. Hunter Specialties has all the hunting accessories you need. And Joe Starkey asked us, he said, what's your must-have gear for the rut that you don't normally take at any other time of the deer season? That's a really specific and good question from Joe. It, it's a great question, and, and I got to credit all of the rack packers for asking these questions. I'd like to answer every one of them because I thought they were all very, very good questions. This one uh, is pretty specific to your point, Tim, and I, I would have to say two things. One, my HS grunt tube, mm-hmm. and uh, number two would be the rattling antlers. There's a certain time of the year where you start taking or carrying those antlers. We don't carry them all year where they're ineffective, and, and you don't want to burn that chip. You know, you don't want to try and rattle those horns just too much too early. So we just don't take them. Mm-hmm. And uh, that this period, which you're talking about, Matt, I think that no, early November is when we're going to start carrying some rattling antlers and a grunt tube for sure, that HS tube. So on the, the one that we're specifically using, we're using that DOD signature one that Tim just alluded to. It's called the buck bark, but it has several features to it. Do you, what I really want to know is more about cadence and how you go about calling because it's, it's, um, it's a real fine science, I think to it. One in which I have not figured out yet. (laughs) Yeah. And that segues nicely into Ben's question. It's kind of related. So Ben Schnapps in the rack pack, he said, how often is too often to grunt or doe bleat during the rut? Perfect. That is a perfect segue. Thank you both for asking those questions. You know, I'm going to tell one quick story. We were over in Pike County, Illinois on a 53 acre parcel, which is a small piece. So it was easy to mess that piece up. That's where I killed my first deer. I'm sorry. That's where I killed my first deer. Is where you killed your first deer. Absolutely. We were real careful about getting in there, real careful about not overcalling. But you could hear the neighbor, and, th- and it was leased by an outfitter over in that area. So there was a, a different hunter there each week. But when they would start calling, they just never stopped. I mean, it was a continual, like for eight hours a day of calling. 
And, you know, you sit there and you wonder, okay, if I don't know what they're thinking, number one, but sometimes less is more. Mm -hmm. And yes, you can overcall and you can call too much. You can call too loud. Uh, You just don't, if you're sitting in the timber for any length of time at all, you don't hear a lot of vocalization out of a whitetail. Mm -hmm. It's very, very minimal. And when you do hear it, it's a pretty low keyed, low keyed sound. Once in a while, you'll hear an aggressive buck that is on a doe or or he's uh, with a doe and you'll hear that, you know, that real loud grunt and, and he's kind of being uh, extremely vocal. But those periods are really, really short. They're not lengthy uh, unless it's a real assertive buck. You may hear it for an extended period of time, but it's just something you don't hear very often. So it's out of the ordinary for a hunter to just call continually. Uh, and spe- especially blind calling. Blind calling can be deadly to you because the first thing they're going to do is circle downwind of your ass. So what you want to keep in mind, that contact that you can make, if you get a visual on him and he's upwind of you, that's when I like to call. I'm either going to click the horns together and then hit that grunt tube, Matt, and, and there are different sounds that you can get out of that tube. And, and it's usually a you know, to let him know where you're at, but not overcall. And then once he sees you or once he hears it, then you can get a little more assertive with him. It's almost like working a turkey, but you got to kind of uh, be careful of how much you do it. I think it's so interesting because we had Tim Wells on last year, I think, and he talked about it. He had a giant that he was chasing over there in Illinois and, um, and he talked about calling and, and how it affects them. And, you know, once you kind of, you know, once you do that once and you spook the deer, how he's kind of got a memory for that sound and that location, uh, which I never really thought they were smart enough. <laughs> I mean, I have educated a lot of deer, <laughs> but it really resonated with me because I had an encounter with a deer that we were after last year in the timber and mm-hmm. I was grunting to him and he, he, we saw him, he was already downwind and I was grunting to him trying to get him to circle, but it almost like acted as if it scared him. And he ran off. And this this is going to parlay into my next question um, from one of our users here, Corey Michael Kosert. So this question is brought to you by uh, Leopold. Be relentless this deer season with the rugged build and superior quality glass and Leopold rangefinders, binos, and scopes. So his question, Corey's, during the rut, is there a more specific tactic or call you prefer to use, or is it based on the demeanor of the individual deer? And this is where I'm going with this question. The specific buck Titan, he had been busted up two years in a row. We knew he liked to fight. So I thought this is an aggressive deer. He's going to respond to a calling sequence. He did not. He took off. <laughs> and We're still looking for him. So how do you judge? I mean, I thought no brainer here. This is a deer that's busted up. Now he was limping already in this instance. So I thought, well, maybe he just got his butt kicked and he doesn't want anything to do with the fight, but I thought he was an aggressive deer. So I thought calling would do the trick. What's your take on that? And Corey's question here, uh, based on the demeanor of the individual deer. That That's a really good example, Matt, and it's risk reward. You know, there's one that you have to take the risk. You got to gamble because if he's all busted up, you know, he's a fighter two years in a row then I would have done the same thing. I'd have at least tried him. You know, I'd have made the visual, visual, making sure that he was upwind and his wind was blowing from him to us. And then I would have tickled it first. If you get his attention, then click him maybe a little bit more. 
and I would throw it behind a tree if I could, you know, try and throw that audio behind you just a little bit. So he, so he comes past you or stops at your tree, but it's a risk reward. You don't know that he's been called to by a neighbor or someone else that you, you do not know. So that's the risk you take. Timmy makes a good point. Timmy Wells makes a great point. It's like burning a chip with a turkey. Once you call him in one time, that second time's a little tougher. Once you call a whitetail in one time, second time's a lot tougher. So you got to be prepared that first time around. And you and you always assume that they're going to circle downwind. Mm. Always. Unless he's a, a dominant deer in that area where he's going to come straight at you, uh, 99 times out of 100, they're going to circle downwind of your, of your position. So be ready for that downwind shot. 40 yards, 50 yards, 60 yards. It's not uncommon for them to circle pretty far downwind. And all they're trying to do is figure out who it is, you know? Now, uh, two questions for you on this one on a visual. If, if they can't see another deer, obviously like in this case, there wasn't another deer. We were sitting in front of a food plot. He couldn't see anything else. Does that screw with them a little bit? If they're hearing the grunting and they're looking and they visually can't see another deer or does that matter as much in, you know, in that scenario? Perhaps, but I have found if they can't see the other deer, usually they come right to that position where they heard the audio. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, their hearing is uncanny how close they'll get to where you're sitting. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll come right to the base of your tree, uh, typically to, to find out where that audio came from. So, uh, you know, that, and every deer is different. The demeanor of every single one of them is different. We've seen aggressive deer. Forrest and I were over in Illinois. We had a deer way upwind of us, maybe 200 yards. And I banged the horns together and we grunted at him. And that son of a gun came on a rope. I mean, a string right to where we were at. And make a long story short, we ended up killing him. But he was a dominant deer in that area. And when you get one that is the Mac Daddy, he's he's going to come, you know. And, and it was all about his demeanor and his posturing. Mm-hmm. He was one of those that we just knew he owned, owned that area, thought he was control all of it. And uh, we clicked the horns together pretty hard and he came right on a string. And just because a deer might be mature doesn't mean they're the dominant deer, right? There's a lot of shitters out there that, that are maybe younger, a four-year-old fight that is a bully buck or whatever that, that doesn't really, maybe they got short man syndrome or something. Cause, cause there's not the, you know, if you got a buck that's, you talked about having deer before where, you know, a typical pretty rack that's not busted up. He's never busted up. He's a loner. He's always alone. That's might not be the dominant buck, right? He might not like to be around all those other deer. 100% accurate. 100%. That's where you need to know your deer herd and be really, really a, a little more soft calling, maybe some a little gentler, maybe a tickle where it would sound like some younger deer where he may come in and check it out. But yes, you're absolutely correct. The pretty boys sometimes are not the ones that do the fighting. It's usually that Mac nasty 135, 140 inch deer. He might be a little heavier, a little fat gut on him, big neck, big old blocky head. Alan just raised his hand. <laughs> Alan, a fighter, is he? Yeah. Terry, you, you, you know, we're, we're talking a lot about um, calling to uh, a mature buck with another buck call, but is there, and like during this phase of the rut, is there any, uh, merit to using a doe bleed if they're looking for a hot doe you know when they get to to the point where they've they've been with does already and and the estrus is in the air and and you know they're they're really really looking again absolutely absolutely because oftentimes you go through this weaning period where the does are trying to wean a a, a fawn mm-hmm. and you'll hear them you'll hear the fawn crying you know trying to find mama 
but you rarely hear that doe bleat back. So, uh, and they they get to the point where they've been chased so much that they start eating it, it and feeding it, you know, odd, odd hours of the day, mm-hmm. middle of the afternoon, one, two, three o'clock. I often think that's why they do that is because they've been chased so much. They come out at, at odd hours. So if you're in an area where there's a dominant deer and he hasn't heard or seen a doe for a while, damn right. I would try it. I would, mm-hmm. I would throw a little doe bleed at him. Absolutely. Maybe spritz a little oil of Olay in the air. See what happens. Um, you you did touch on a little bit. We still have a couple minutes, so I want to kind of dive in a little further on rattling, blind calling. Because here's here's the issue: guys are going to be sitting in their stand all day during this period, and it is boring for <clears throat> a majority of the day. And so you think. I'm just going to blind call here. I'm going to do a rattling sequence and then call and make it sound realistic and see if I can kind of, you know, kick up something. What's the reality of that actually helping your cause? It depends if there's a mature deer in the area. It can work. I mean, it's not like it won't work. These are all generalizations that we're talking about. The only time that we typically blind call is right before we climb down. You know, if we're sitting there all afternoon or all day and I'm I'm bored to tears and I, I think there could have been a buck that maybe moved in and bedded, mm-hmm. then I may blind call before we crawl out. And I the moment we blind call, I will put my antlers up, grab my bow and get ready and be, get ready for downwind because nine times out of 10, they're going to circle downwind to your ass. So that's one of the tricks that you might keep in mind. The moment you hit them together, hang them up and grab your bow. Because if you don't, sometimes they're standing right under you and you go, damn it, he caught me, you know, caught you with your britches down. So that's a helpful tip. And just and I'm not opposed to doing it. A lot of guys have killed deer blind calling. It's just you got to be prepared for that downwind side. I learned that lesson the hard way years ago, taking my climber into some godforsaken part of the timber <laughs> and started rattling. And all of a sudden, this giant buck came flying in like literally steam coming out of his nostrils and he was downwind of me and he saw me like mid rattle <laughs> my bows on the hanger. Yeah. I'm just stuck. And I'll never forget that morning. I would love to know how many people that's happened to. I'll bet more, more than not that happens. I think quite often when you're blind calling. So that's one of the perils of blind calling. Mm-hmm. Can it work? Absolutely. Absolutely. You just got to be smart and be ready. You I know? look at guys like uh, Ben Rising. He has a lot of luck with calling. He's an aggressive style of hunter, timber hunter, you know, and he does have a lot of luck with calling. But then I look through time, through the 34-year history of Drury Outdoors, you guys might have called a little bit more in your younger days than you do now. I don't see that. Mark even used to be really aggressive, especially when he was tree stand hunting more you'd see that rut style of, of getting aggressive. And when he laid eyes on a deer calling him and getting mm-hmm. him into his position, you don't see you guys do that as much anymore. Is it more of just a, you know, been bitten a few times on it or what, what's the difference? We've been bitten a lot of times on it. You know, I can't tell you how many times we, we burnt a chip, you know, by blind calling back in the day. And, and, uh, you know, Jay Gregory, Don Kiske, those guys were all real, real assertive, real aggressive when it came to rattling and they killed a lot of big deer. You know, they were in areas where there were mature deer and, and it worked, uh, as you, as you start to, you know, maybe manage some of these spots and you don't have the mature numbers that you once had, or you just, they're just not available anymore. It's a little trickier and it's a little harder to get a deer to come to your position, but, those guys were all really aggressive. We were aggressive back in the day, but we got burnt so many times, much like Tim's story there. 
happened to us more times than it worked. I promise you. And, and when they're 70 yards or 60 yards, you go, damn, I, I, you just couldn't shoot them. You know, you didn't have the shooting lanes and you obviously you couldn't shoot at those distances. So uh, we just, we've started to become more reluctant about doing it. Now I'd prefer sitting on a food plot with a decoy and a scrape tree. And, you know, we've just changed our whole style. Uh, I think over the years we've evolved and we've been more effective. We're more productive now than we used to be. Love, love hunting the timber. We still do forest and I, because it's been so warm, we've been hunting tree stands almost every night. Love it. Absolutely love it. But, but they haven't been moving because it's warm. We haven't seen much. Yeah, yeah. So I would love to to kill a big deer in the timber again. I always, I will always enjoy that. Mm. All right. Hard to beat it. I think that wraps up episode four <laughs> of just the tip, the rut series here yeah. for the hundred percent wild podcast. We're going to have another one coming your way here in a couple of days. Hope you're enjoying them. Give us feedback, subscribe, share them with your buddies, let your friends know we got this series and, uh, Hopefully you guys are having some luck out there. Yeah. If, if you're using any of these tips and succeeding, we'd love to hear from you. So reach out to us there in the rack pack or on Instagram or, or wherever you're cast. Yep. Yep. All right. Great guys. Well, thanks for joining us. Hopefully you guys are having success out there until next time. Peace out. DeerCast is now supercharged with maps. Get ahead of your game with killer new features like live Doppler radar, wind check out to five days, virtual rain gauges, GPS path tracking, and more. Plus, get our 14-day revolutionary DeerCast prediction and access to DeerCast track. Prep, predict, and pursue with DeerCast.